you just love cliffhangers? <laughs> You're not going to like me tomorrow then. Woo! Okay. Well, how we doing? How did everyone sleep last night? Yeah. I know what sleep, right? I feel you. Uh, okay, I got to tell you this quick story. When I, when I was, uh, uh, let's see, I think I was uh, like 11, I went to this camp, just like Hume Lake. And uh, we were at the camp, and see, in the old days, like, I don't know if y'all have, are there like railings on your bed if you're on the top bunk? Okay, they, listen, we didn't care about safety when we were kids, and so the bunk beds didn't have any kind of like uh, protection. So uh, I'm at this camp, and I'm sleeping on the bottom bunk down here, and there's this other dude that's sleeping up on the top bunk on the other side of me, okay? And in the, does it, did anybody have any snores in their cabin, in there? Okay. Okay, so this dude, this dude, he starts, don't point at anybody, that's not nice, okay? So this dude starts snoring in the middle of the night, like, like just really, really loud. It was horrible. And here's a little 11-year-old me, like, I wanted to get up out of my bed and punch the guy. Like, I was like, dude, shush, like, uh, you're so loud. And he's snoring, and I can't sleep all night long. And I kid you not, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, the dude rolls off the top bunk and splat on the ground. And guess what? I didn't care because he stopped snoring. <laughs> it was awesome. But here's the thing. He landed next to me, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You heard my prayers. He stopped snoring. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> he starts snoring right next to me on the ground. It was horrible. Ugh. All right, look. Grab your Bibles. Okay, turn to John 1, because again, we're going to be in John the whole time today. Now, last night, we looked at John 1, 1 through 18, and we learned three things. We talked about absolute truths, and the first absolute truth we learned is that God always existed, right? He's everlasting. There is, he has no beginning, no end. He's eternal, everlasting. Then we talked about how God is the creator of and the source of all truth, all absolute truth. God Always has been, he's always existed, therefore he is the one who created all truths. And then lastly, we talked about how Jesus existed at the beginning. Jesus is God, the pup is the master, and he is, was with God in the beginning and in full equality with him. Okay, John 1, we're going to turn, we're going to start in verse 19, all right? John 1, verse 19. We're going to read a couple verses from this through 23. Here we go. And this is the testimony of John. Now, pause for a second because uh, Buddy kind of alluded to this, and hopefully you kind of understand the parallel. Okay, we got two Johns going on here. We got John, <laughs> the toilet John over there, by the way. Uh, my dad's real name is John, but he grew up a military brat, but he goes by Phil. You know why? Because in the military, toilets are called Johns. And he didn't want to be known as a toilet growing up. So anyway, that's a side story. Okay, so uh, we have John who wrote this book, John. And then we also have John the Baptist, right? And so you saw John, uh, uh, Buddy the Bath Giver uh, is, represents John the Baptist, okay? So this is who they're talking about here, specifically John the Baptist, John. Okay, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed. And did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? 
He said, no. And they said to him, well, then who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, here's a couple things I want to pull out of this scripture right now that I think are interesting. Did you notice the Levites in this passage and the priests, they came to John the Baptist and they seemed to know a lot of things, a lot of knowledge about things. Where do you think, raise your hand if you've got an answer for this, where do you think they gained the knowledge of the questions that they were asking? Where might they have gotten that from? You guys think? Yeah, go. The people around them? Okay, that's good. Yeah, what else? Yeah, go. They're what? Pharisees. And where did, they, where did the Pharisees get that knowledge? What do you guys think? Yeah, go. Okay, so you're good. The Torah, right? Okay, so you, got, you guys got it. So they had a book of scriptures, right, that they learned things from, the law, okay? And so that's where they gained their, a lot of their knowledge from. Um, and then if you look at when John the Baptist replies, he says, uh, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. So where did John the Baptist get his knowledge and information? What was he quoting? Their scriptures, right? Their law, their rules, the, their, their words that they had down from God. Um, look, at, look at, skip forward to verse 45. And it says, Then Philip uh, found Nathanael and said to him, We have found a, him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So where did this guy Philip find his information? From the law, from the scriptures, right? So in the Old Testament, in these times where these, or, or, sorry, in the New Testament, in these times where these people are gathered together, they're gathering information from, the, from their book, from the law, from the scriptures that they have at the time. Would you say that this was important to them? You think so? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because that's what they're quoting when they ask these questions. See, they learned a lot from their kind of Bible at the time. Now, we're lucky because Jesus has been here and the, the early church, and so now we have what's put together as the Bible. These are our words that we get to learn from. Um, and we're not going to go into the history of how the Bible got put together. That's something that you can learn at a later date. But what I want you guys to understand and what we're going to focus on this morning is we're going to look at some of the absolute truths specifically about this book, the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. Anybody else? I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. Okay, if you don't know that song, you were deprived as a child, okay? <laughs> Super awesome. Okay, now here's the deal, okay? We're going to dive into this, but before we do, my buddy put together this really cool video a long time ago, and I want you guys to watch it. It's super awesome. It gives a, just a quick synopsis of the Bible. Check it out. Interesting facts about the Bible. The Bible is comprised of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. The Bible was written by over 40 different authors and was written over a period of 1,600 years. Job is considered to be the oldest in the Bible, while the book of Revelation is the youngest, written in 95 AD. The longest book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. The shortest is 2 John, with only 13 verses in the entire book. The Bible has been translated into roughly 2,018 different languages and is the world's best-selling book. Consequently, it is also the world's most shoplifted book. Dogs are mentioned 14 times in the Bible 
and lions 55 times, but cats are not mentioned at all. The Bible contains scientific information that was years ahead of its time. The book of Job describes the earth as a suspended ball, despite everyone else on earth at the time believing the earth was flat. 50 Bibles are created every minute and roughly 6 billion Bibles exist in circulation. Enough for every man, woman and child to potentially have their very own copy. Super cool. So it gives us a little bit of like kind of background on the Bible. My favorite part of it is the one part y'all cheered on is that dogs are mentioned in there, what, 13 times? Cats, the big goose egg. Uh, I didn't show you this picture yesterday, but I'm a dog guy. This is my dog right here, Boomer. Everybody say, what's up, Boomer? Yeah. He's an he's a English cream golden retriever. He is the, uh, the most awesomest dog ever. Anyway, uh, I just, listen, there's a couple things that I need to be abundantly clear on. Uh, I hate cats, and I love dogs, all right? So just so you know, so we have that clear. All right, now, here's the deal. We need to talk more about this book, though, not my dog. So I need the first person out there who can find 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17, stand on up. You gotta have it point, you gotta have your finger on it. 2 Timothy 3, 14, 2 Timothy 3, 14. You got it? Oh, you're still looking? You're still looking. I'm going to go with this one over here. Okay, you got it? Okay, come over here. All right, come up here. Corre, corre. Come on up. All right, what's your name? Harper? Why were they saying Go Maddie? Oh, I thought they were Go Maddie. I was all prepared that your name was Maddie. Okay, Harper. Harper. Okay, okay, so Harper, uh, super loud voice. Face, face the crowd. If you face me, they're not going to hear you, okay? All right. Uh, so read for me, real loud, read for everybody, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Go. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what have become convinced of, because you know those from, from whom you learned it and, from, and how from infancy you have known in the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So did you catch that? That was good. Thank you. Let's give her a round of applause. Okay. So did you notice in that part it said um, something about that scripture, that the Bible is God, what did it say? God, God-breathed. God-breathed. Did you all catch that? Where... Where did we hear that yesterday about God breathing something? I know, but what did, what did he breathe? What did he... Oh, he created, he created the world into existence. Isn't it interesting the way that God does that? So he, he breathed the world into existence, and he also breathed this Bible into existence. All right, Harper, let's give her a big round of applause. Oh, wait, Harper. Do you like SPKs? Yes, thank you. Yes, all right, get out of here. Nice. <sighs> SPKs, uh, Sour Patch Kids. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm hipper than you, so I call them SPKs. Okay, yeah, right. You're like, no, nah, not true. Okay, good. All right, so here's the deal, okay? So the scripture is God-breathed. And, and what this means, guys and girls, is that the Bible, as we saw in the video, was written by lots and lots of men, right? But every single word that is in this book came directly from God with 
purpose, every single word of it. And, and what's crazy is if you've ever, like, I've talked to some students who think, like, oh, the Bible, it's just full of these rules, it's boring. Do you know there's, there's some stories in the Bible, like there's this one, uh, we're talking about, um, Biscuit was talking about bears and, like, don't wander off. There's a story in the Bible about a bunch of, like, kids, like, talking bad about this prophet. And so uh, he prayed, and, and, and the kids all got mauled to death by bears. Yeah, that's in the Bible. And there's this other one where this, um, th- th- this, this uh, king, he, he goes siege to this castle, and he's all, like, proud. And so the way that God deals with his, his pride is this woman is up on top of a tower, and she pushes an anvil off the top, just, like, straight out of a cartoon, and it smashes his head. And he's dying, and he tells his swordman, like, stab me to death so it cannot be said that he was killed by a woman. Like, that's stories that are in the Bible. Like, it's crazy. It's awesome. But every single word of it, has purpose. Now, I don't know what those purposes are, but every word, and, and here's the thing, they're all from God. And there's a special word that we use in the church that helps us understand it. The word is inspired. Say that with me, one, two, three. Inspired. Inspired means that every word in the Bible comes from God. It's God's word to us. The creator of the universe who spoke the world into existence also spoke the words in this book into existence. I hope that's pretty cool to you to understand. Um, Jeremiah, it's up on the screen, 31 through 2 says that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This says, uh, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, listen to this, it says, write in a book all the words that I have spoken to you. So Jeremiah wrote the words of Jeremiah, but God spoke the words to him. All scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by the word of God, by God. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21, it's on the screen, says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Know this, first of all, listen to this, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So because we know, as we talked about yesterday, that our absolute truths are that that God is the creator of all things and he's the creator of all truth, therefore his inspired words in the Bible are all true. You catch me? So our absolute truth, number one for today, is this is that God's character is true, therefore his words are true. Because God is eternal, because God can be trusted, because he's eternal God, he is Adonai, we know that the words that he spoke, that he inspired, that he breathed into this book are 100% true. There's no other option. Do we have anybody that likes to fly fish out there? Does anybody fly fish out there? Okay, Two of you. All right, great. Well, I love to fly fish. In fact, y- y'all see my hat up here? Can you see it? So this is like a fly. My father-in-law, is Colorado, loves the fly. He's a big fly fisherman. He ties flies for me. It's fantastic. This is a fly, that, and he made this special hat. It's his logo. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, a few years ago, I was up on the Upper Kings River. So if you know that, it's a l- little ways from here. And I was fly fishing all by myself, which I don't usually recommend, but I was, right? And I'm in uh, this little uh, river bend, and there's like a waterfall behind me, and, and I'm casting up against this wall, and, and all of a sudden, fizz, dude, I land this monster 
oh my goodness, it was amazing. And so I get it. And the thing with fly fishing is, is like you, the, the, the line is, is kind of thin, and so you kind of have to let it run when the, when the fish is, is really pulling hard. And so I let this fish run, and it's doing circles around me. Y'all, I fought this fish for two hours. I had to follow it all along so it didn't snap my line. I actually went down through the waterfall and get carried me down. I was under the water for like 30 seconds just holding my line up, like trying to hold on to this fish. I did not want to let it go. This thing starts swimming around me. I'm down under the water, and it literally swims by me. And I reach my hand with my spare hand and actually catch the fish underwater. Monster thing. And I pull it up out of the water. It was the coolest moment, and the fish is like flapping in my bare hand. It was the greatest catch of my life. This fish was the biggest fish I ever caught. This was also the biggest lie I've ever told in my life. Ha ha! Gotcha. It's not April. Is it April? No, it's not April. What are you talking about? Uh, okay, listen, I made that story up. Okay. I lied. I'm sorry. Like I did. I know you guys got excited, but here's, here's the thing. I know, I know, but this is what I want you guys to understand. Okay. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever lied before. Okay. Hands down. Raise your hand if you've never lied before. Oh yeah. You just lied. So welcome to the club. Now you're a liar. Okay, good. Now listen, listen, I want you to understand this. Even though I'm a pastor, and even though I'm a good husband and a good, good, good father, okay, um, I'm not perfect. And I need you to understand this. I am not perfect. And because I'm not perfect, like, you are pretty certain that you can trust every word that comes out of my mouth, but I'm a human being who's not perfect, who's lied, who's sinned, who's messed up, and so while you can, for the most part, trust me, well, you're not going to trust me now, but, but I'm not perfect. Like, you don't know for certain that what I'm telling you is true. However, God is perfect. God is the creator of all truth. God is eternal. He's God, and he is incapable of lying. When we read something from God, his words that are inspired, that he breathed into existence, we know, we know that it's 100% true. Look at me. You're, everything else that you read and everything else that you hear, even from your teachers and your parents and the world and books, you have to refine and refine through God's word because this, we know, is the only thing is 100% true. Which brings us to our absolute truth number two, and that's this, that the Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. There's another word that I want to teach you, okay? We learned inspired, but this word um, helps us to understand that um, the Bible is the word of God, and the word is, um, and, and that it's perfect, and the word is inerrant. Say that with me, one, two, three, inerrant. So we, we, have, we have inspired, which is that God spoke to men and who wrote the Bible. And inerrant is another word for that this is the perfect word of God. So it doesn't have any mistakes in it. It's perfect, exactly as God planned without mistakes God's word to us. Did you know, did you know that the Bible is actually the most historically accurate book ever written? See, it's interesting because now y'all are at Christian schools, so this is awesome. But if you were in a public school, 
uh, you uh, go through history books or you learn things in science, and those books are constantly having to change. Probably even some of the textbooks that you guys use every once in a while has to change because they learn something new. The Bible never changes. For thousands of years, this book has not changed because it's historically accurate. It's historically perfect. In fact, it's interesting because I watch a lot of History Channel. Anybody else like the History Channel? Some of you. My wife, she's a big uh, HGTV, Magnolia. Any people on that one? Yeah, all right. Uh, I like the History Channel. And I watch a lot of History Channel, and you'll see like some of these guys who they want to claim like that the Bible isn't you know, historically true. Like if you, um, you know, that they can't find evidence of the Israelites or something, uh, you know, in historical, like the stuff they find. What's interesting is I watched a documentary just the other day. They were digging in Egypt and that one of the big claims is that in Egypt, like there's no record in the Egyptian, uh, you know, at records of the Israelites ever existing, right? And we know that whole story of the Israelites were in Egypt and then the whole Moses thing and the, you know, let my people go, you know, you know, you know that story, right? And, and so they say, well, there's no records. Well, they were digging in Egypt and they found a new lost city in Egypt that actually had these inscriptions and writings about a people group just like the Israelites, it was the Israelites, who happened to be there. See, every time history digs up, archaeologists dig up stuff, it always proves the Bible to be true, 100% of the time. And it's amazing to me that this, the world continues to try to reject and find ways to disprove the Bible when every piece of archaeological evidence that ever gets dug up proves that this is true. It's without mistake. It is inerrant. I love how Proverbs 35 says, it says, uh, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Every word of God proves true. And so that brings us to our third and final uh, absolute truth for tonight. If God's character is true, and if all of his words are true, and the Bible is God's word, then here's the thing. And this is what I want you to really grasp for this morning is that we can take God at his word. If God's character is true, and all of his words are true, and the Bible is God's word, then we can take God at his word. Remember what 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What that means is that every aspect of God's word has purpose. It equips you for your life. It helps guide. It helps teach you. It helps train you. Listen, this is how we find out about God and how we learn about God's character and God's nature. And in a lot of ways, too, it's like a guide. Like, anybody ever follow their phone like a little GPS, like to get directions? Or anybody ever use Waze before? Ways, total godsend, had to have been inspired by God, right? I love that thing. In fact, just the, uh, uh, in the fall, my wife and I were going to a fundraiser for a ministry that does equestrian therapy. Does anybody know what equestrian therapy is? What do you guys think? Yeah, what? Yeah, therapy with horses, right? Equestrian. Uh, with horses. And so it's really cool. This, this ministry, Abundant Life Ranch, they um, bring in... Um, 
They bring in like um, ladies and kids who have gone through different abuse or different uh, difficult situations, and they use horses to help minister uh, t- to these folks. Um, I don't know if you realize this with horses, but horses will actually take on some of the character of the person that's taking care of them. And so what's interesting is, is then as the person interacts with this horse, um, as the horse then heals, this person heals. It's an amazing ministry. So we were going to a fundraiser. Now, it was out in the middle of nowhere, and so I, as a true man, said, I don't need directions to get to a place, right? Yeah, right, okay. So I uh, took us, and, um, and I thought I was taking us to the right place. And we get there, and my wife and I get out of the car, and it's not the Abundant Life Ranch fundraiser. It's a wedding. <laughs> and so we walk in, like, and we start to sit down, and we're like, why is everybody looking like we're at a wedding? And so this dude comes up, and he's like, hey, can I help you? And we're like, uh, yeah, we're here for the fundraiser. And he's like, yo, this is my wedding. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess we're crashing a wedding today instead. No. So uh, anyway, so we ended up, so what I, what I did was, is I ended up putting in the actual address into my ways, and ways, sure enough, got us to the right place. It was, I was really, I wanted to crash the wedding. I mean, that sounded super fun, but we need to get to the fundraiser. Uh, here's the thing. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. See, God's word is a perfect guide for us, and we have to trust it. Just like I didn't trust to put in the directions the correct place, we need to be able to trust God's word to lead us where he wants to take us. I want to leave you guys with two things this morning. And, and these are not absolute truths. These are uh, Pastor Chip's truths, um, just as encouragement to you. And I'm going to finish with these. Number one is to build your life on God's word. Again, Tara Joe and I got lost because um, I didn't trust and I didn't put in the directions to lead us. See, look at me, because this is really important. You have two options of how to build your life, guys and girls. Two options. You can either build your life and your worldview, how you see the world, what you believe to be true about the world, either on two things. Either you can do it on man's word, what man says. And I don't mean men. I mean men and women, what people, what the world says. You can build on that. Or you can build it on what God says. There's only two options, what man says and what God says. What are your two options? What and what God says. You only have two choices. And, and it, there's a great story in the Bible, and you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you real fast. In Matthew 7, 24 to 26, uh, Matthew 7, 24 to 26 says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, talking about the Bible, and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the, sta- on the sand. See, guys and girls, what, what this story, what Jesus was illustrating is, look at me. You can either build your life and build your truth and what you understand about the world on what men say, on what people say, on what the world tells you, on what culture tells you. But guess what? It's always changing. 
It's always changing. It's always being refined. And it's like sand that just deteriorates. And so if you build your house on this sand and all of a sudden it starts to change, then your world crumbles. And now you've got to change it. And, and that's what happens with the world. All these truths that the world is throwing out to you is constantly changing. It's constantly moving. It's constantly where it's going to crumble and it's going to fall apart. And so your other choice is to build your worldview, to build your life, to look at truth through what God says. Again, we talk about this book is unchanging. This book is the solid foundation. You know it was inspired by God. It's inerrant. It's perfect. It does not change. And I don't know about you, but I want to build my worldview. I want to build how I see the world off of what is solid, off of what God, the creator of the universe, says to be true. Build your life on God's word. And then the second thing is this, is that we need to devour this book. Okay, we didn't get to that place. We didn't get to the fundraiser because I didn't put in the correct address. But you can't know or you can't put in the correct address in a GPS unless you know what the correct address is. Am I right? And so the only way that you can know what God's truth is to be able to build your life on it is by reading this book. Now, listen, look, I'm not a big reader, okay? I'm going to be honest. Like, it's not my favorite thing to do in the world. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you're sitting there going like, dude, I hate reading. But, dude, there's only one way that you get to know the Word of God, and that's by reading this book. Uh, Thanksgiving time, my grandma makes the greatest cornbread stuffing. Anybody ever had cornbread stuffing before? Okay, dude, it is so good. And last year, I, we were gone for a couple years from my grandma's cornbread stuffing. And so this last year, I had it again. And I put like four pieces on my plate. And I, st- I literally took my hands and just started eating it. And my wife's like, that's the most disgusting thing. I will never kiss you again. Like, she was so mad at me. But dude, I devoured that cornbread stuffing of my grandma's. And guys and girls, that's the way that we need to treat God's word. We need to devour this. You've got to dig into this. You've got to eat up God's word like it is grandma's cornbread stuffing. Matthew 4, 4 says, man shall not live by bread or grandma's stuffing alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the final verse is this. Hebrews 2, I mean 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of the spirit and of the joints of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, guys and girls, this is my last word. This thing is living. It is active. It is like a sword for your soul. Look, if you want to understand, I don't know about you guys, but I want to have the best life on this earth and beyond. And the way that we do that is getting into this word. I'm going to leave you with a challenge. I always call it the bedside Bible challenge. Um, I hope you all have a hard copy of the book. Now, look, I'm all good that if you have a phone with the Bible on it, that's cool. But I highly encourage you to get yourself, if you don't have one, a good Bible. And this is what I do and what I encourage my students to do is um, the bedside Bible challenge where if you've got some kind of nightstand or something next to your bed, um, here's what I do is my Bible sits next to my bed at all times open. In fact, uh, staying over here uh, last night, um, my, my Bible finished with it wide open like this. And the reason why I do it is this. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I do is before I do anything else, I grab my Bible and I jump in right there in bed. Most of the time, my wife's snoring while I'm doing this, all right? It's okay. And, and I just read a little bit. 
because it's the first thing that I do. And then when I'm done, I put it back on right next to my bed, and I leave it open. And then the last thing that I do at night is I grab it, and I read a few more things. And I love that because it sets the tone in my life that the first thing that I do and the last thing that I do is devour God's word like his grandma's cornbread stuffing. So I want to encourage you guys, maybe even you do that next to your bunks tonight, or when you get back home, uh, take the bedside Bible challenge and leave your Bible open next to you, next to your bed, so it's the first thing that you do and the last thing that you do. This is God's perfect, inspired, and inerrant word for us. Let it guide your life. Let's pray. Daddy, again, I, I just thank you. you. You didn't have to give us your words to be guided by, but you chose to give us this book. And, and again, I know a lot of us maybe aren't the best readers or the greatest readers, but man, we got to get into it and devour the same because it's where we learn about you, where we understand you, where we get to know your nature and who you are so that we can trust you and learn that, that your words guide our lives. I want to have joy in my life, and I know that comes when I get to know you and when I get to know your plan for my life when I follow your plan. So help me to trust you and to dig into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.